The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. God, praise God, brother. I'm going to give you your... <laughs> Good to be back here with Faith Hill Church. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, it's always a pleasure for both Kathy and I to come and uh, we, uh, we really look at this as an honor every time we come to share uh, at Faith Hill Church uh, in December. And it's always a good time of the year. And so we're going to have a good time this morning. Amen. Amen. Just bump somebody next to you and say, you're going to have a good time. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. Well, um, again, also for those of you that have have, uh, not maybe heard of our ministry, Kathy and I, uh, we have a ministry called Kingdom Life Ministries. If you want to go on our website, uh, it's just arthurmainchase.com. And you can go on there and see uh, all of our products on there, everything that we do, our itinerary, where we minister all over the world. We actually, I didn't say this in the first service, but we we just uh, got back about a month and a half ago from Australia. We ministered all over Australia, had a great time ministering in Australia, saw some wonderful, wonderful things. People were ministered to, people were touched, people's lives were changed. Amen. And so we are here in South Africa. This is our first stop. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then we're going to be here for Christmas, New Year with the family. And then we're going to be ministering in Swaziland and all down in the Cape area for this whole time that we're here. So we, uh, we encourage you to pray for us. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I'm, I'm almost, almost getting to a place where this is becoming a familiar family event. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. How many of you are ready for the Word? Yeah. If you've got your Bibles, your iPads, your phones, wherever you have your... Turn with me in your Bibles here to Philippians chapter 3. And I'm going to read uh, a passage of Scripture out of uh, verse 12 and verse 13. I want to speak to you today about letting go of the past. Letting go of uh, what is in the past. Um, I believe that if, if, if we are ever going to experience the life... Uh, the life of God, the life that God intends for you and me to have and to live uh, and to enjoy. You know, Jesus said, he said, I have come that you might have, the Amplified says, have and enjoy. Amen. See, there's a lot of people and a lot of believers who have life. They're alive, but their lives are not worth living. There's a lot of people, they're just alive. And you know what? Jesus says that he wants us to not just have life or be alive, but he wants us to be able to enjoy life. And and in order to enjoy life, we're going to have to learn to let go of the past. You see, it is one thing, uh, like like I said, to be alive, but it's quite another thing to uh, enjoy life that that is waiting. So many people come to the end of the year. So many people come to this time of the year and they live in regret. 
They live in the regret of, if only I didn't do this. If only I had done that. And so they come to the end of the year. But I want us to begin by coming to the end of this year and saying, you know what? I can let go of whatever is in the past so that I can embrace what is coming in 2020. Hallelujah. You know, uh, you just... uh, Pastor just quoted that uh, scripture out of Jeremiah 29, verse 11. God says, I know the thoughts and the plans. The Amplified says, the thoughts and the plans that I have for you, saith the Lord. Thoughts and plans to give you a hope and a future. Come on. Hallelujah. To give you a hope, to give you a confident expectation of a future. And so that we know that we have a future. God, that is God. God has a plan for us. And in this passage of Scripture, Paul writes, and he says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. It says, I, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. Paul is just saying, he's saying, listen, I'm writing to you, and I'm not writing to you because I have it all together. I'm not writing to you because I've been able to achieve everything in my life. Uh, I like to put it this way. Uh, I'm not here this morning to say, you know, I have it all together. I have achieved everything. Uh, But each and every one of us in this room, we are on a journey with God. You're on a journey. We are on our way somewhere. And so I can say at least I haven't arrived, but I have left. And, 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 and to leave, to begin to go into the future, you need to be able to at least leave. Yep. Amen. And you have to leave. You know, of course, that if you leave, you leave something behind. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. In order to go forward, you're going to have to leave something behind. Yep. Now, he, he says this. He says, but I keep working towards that day when I will finally be all that Christ Jesus saved me for. First of all. Jesus, God, has saved you for something. Hallelujah. And wants you to be. That means He has saved you for what He wants you to be. So there is always a future for us. You know what? The truth is we are complete in Christ, but you and I need transformation into what He has saved us for. Are you guys with me here? And then he says, he says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I am still not all I should be, but I am focusing all my energies. See, to, to, to go forward into the future, it's going to take uh, energy. It's going to take action. We're going we're gonna to have to, and he says, I focus all my energies on this one thing, forgetting the past, And looking forward to what lies ahead. You know, uh, one of the things that I've learned over the years is that that, uh, this is the reason why you and I need to understand and know and experience uh, the love and the grace and the forgiveness of God. I wrote this book, Knowing and Experiencing God. There are so many people, so many believers, they know about God. They know about, they have information about God. And, and you, can, you can almost not ever tell them anything that they don't know about God. 
But the truth is God wants you to not just know about Him, but He wants you to experience Him. Because you see, what we have to realize is this is what uh, knowing and experiencing God, His love, His grace. You know, I'm, I, I, I would look at myself and say I am a gospel preacher. I like to preach. Uh, my, my gifting, my calling is to preach the, the completed work of Christ, the good news of the gospel to people, which is the power of God unto salvation. Yes, sir, yes, sir. And to preach that. That's, that's what I love. That's what I want to bring out to people because so many people hear a gospel that is called a gospel, but it's not the truth of, of knowing and experiencing God. Yes, you see, knowing and experiencing God will always allow you to do that which you never were able to do before. Knowing and experiencing God, it allows you to do what you could never have done in your own strength. See, the love of God, the grace of God, is not, it's not just an, uh, uh, an attitude. Uh, a lot of people preach grace and say, well, you know, I'm a grace preacher, and they have an attitude of grace. Uh, grace and the love of God is not just an attribute or a gift. The, the love and the grace of God is the influence of a person. Come on. It's the influence of the person of Jesus Christ upon your life. Praise God. It is the influence of His love, the influence of His grace, the influence of His forgiveness in your life that is able to take you and to supernaturally transform your life. And so in order to let go of the past, so many people live uh, their whole lives uh, 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 chained to the past. And so they can never move forward. They can never move forward in their lives because they are chained to the past. They live in the offenses of the past. Uh, that the, the power of God... Uh, cannot work in you to transform you as long as we're going to hold on to the things of the past. And so many people, their progress, their future progress, their future progress in relationships, their future progress in their, in their, in their married life, in their businesses, uh, in their education, whatever it is, cannot, cannot go forward because they are, they are holding on to the past. Now, when I say letting go of the past, then I want to make sure that you understand exactly what I'm, what I'm talking about here. Uh, and I'm not talking here about just letting go of the past in the sense of letting go of the offenses. Because many people live, many people today, you might be here today and you've been offended in the past. You've been hurt You've been, uh, you've been hurt by what other people have said about you or what other people have done to you. Uh, uh, or, you, know, you, you. You can be here today and say you are living and holding on to the things that you have done. And that's, this is one of the hardest things to let go of, is the offenses and the hurts and the failures of your own life. Where you have messed up, where you have, as it were, sabotaged your own life. And a lot of people live holding on to the regrets of what they've done. But I want to say this, 
letting go of the past is letting go of what other people have done, letting go of the, the unforgiveness, letting go of the offenses, letting go of your own disappointments, but also letting go of your successes, letting go of your achievements of the past. Have you ever been around people? Sometimes I'm, I'm around, you know, some of my, my peers and we would, I said it in the first service, and I would be talking about what God is doing right now and what I see in the church and God is, you know, the, 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 the kingdom of God being established. And then they'll say, yes, but in 1985, <laughs> in 19, I tell you, Arthur, if you were just around and you were in, the, I tell you, in our church in 1985, we had revival. You see, they still are living in 1985, and they cannot go on into 2020. Come on now. And so they're living, they're living at the successes and the highs and their achievements. And I tell you, we had meetings in those days. You know. Well, what about today? Amen. Come on. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, we can, we, we can always bring. See, if, if we don't learn to, to allow our past, our failures, and our successes, if we allow that to define us, then we can never be transformed into the image of what God wants us to be in the future. Amen. You see, if, you don't, if, you, if, if we don't learn to let... The, the past die. Your past won't allow you to live in the future. Come on. Yes, sir. So as believers, one of the things that I've learned is as believers, you don't have to have your past determine your future. And there are so many people today who still live and they are hinged, at, as it were. They are shackled to their past and their future is looking just like their past. And they don't seem to be able to, you know, this, the, 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 in the Old Testament, it talks about the, the people of Israel. Uh, they, they, they went around the mountain and around the mountain and around the mountain. It means they, they had a cycle in their lives that, they, that every year they would find themselves at the same place. How many of us, how many of us live our lives and every year you find yourself at the, every time we come to the end of the year and you look and you say, this has been a new year and I had all these prospects in front of me, but I am exactly where I was last year. And you, some people believe that, and, and they just believe that that's how life is. And my life can't change. No, you can't. Your life can change. Why? Because according to the New Testament, according to the gospel of Jesus Christ, your whole future is determined by and through the past of someone else. Amen. Namely, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Your whole future, uh, I call it like this. I say the truth is the gospel of Jesus Christ says if you will, will, will receive what Christ did for you, you have a new past. Come on. And based upon a new past, 
You can have a brand new future. Oh, hallelujah. Is this making sense to anybody here? See, one of the most powerful truths of the New Testament is a truth that, I, that I've called every man rewarded. Every man rewarded. Turn with me in your Bibles, and we're going to go there. Matthew chapter 16. See, under the old covenant, under, under a religious old covenant, uh, the, the system of law, you worked hard and you had a promise of reward. That if you work hard, if you discipline yourself, work hard, you have a promise of a reward. But in the book of Matthew, Jesus taught a very radical principle, a principle that was so totally foreign to his disciples, and I believe is even still foreign to most believers today. A principle that Jesus taught that his disciples, the day he taught it to them, he spoke, we're going to look at these verses, when he spoke it to them, it, was, it, it, it went right over their heads. Anybody familiar with uh, the comedian Jeff Dunham? Never? It, 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 you, you are. Okay, I'm going to talk to you. So you guys. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Jeff Dunham is a comedian who's got, he's, he's, he's got these puppets. He's a ventriloquist. And he's got this puppet. And he's got this one puppet. And this puppet is, is, is named um, Peanut. And he, he, he's got, the, the, the one puppet that he has is famous. I mean, people know him as Ahmed. It's, it's this, uh, the dead terrorist, you know. And so he's got that. He's very famous. But then he's got this other one. This other one is called Peanut. It's, a, it's, it's like a, 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 a monkey-type character that's on cocaine. I mean, he's all over the place, you know. And he, he, has this, he has this thing about Michael. He would, he would say things. He's very fast. He would say things, and then people would look at And he says, oh, whew, it went right over your head. <laughs> it went, uh, you see, Jesus taught things, and it went choo, right over their heads. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, we, and we're going to look at stuff here. And for years, I used to look at this, these verses, and they, were, choo, they went right over my head. I didn't see what it was saying. So I'm going to share some things with you this morning out of Matthew chapter 16 that most probably uh, you have heard much teaching and preaching on. Um, I'm going to suggest to you that uh, you listen carefully. In fact, I'm not going to preach at you. I'm going to reason with you. Is that okay? You know, the Bible and, 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 and reasoning with people is very scriptural. Jesus, the Bible says many places, Jesus reasoned with the people. That means that Jesus didn't just preach to them because, you know, uh, like your pastor and myself, and if you've ever been uh, a preacher, a teacher in a Bible school situation or in, in, in a church, this is, this is how some people sit in church. <laughs> it's like brain dead. My brain's not switched on. You know, and, and pastor, you just, just lay it on me, yeah. you know. No, no. So what I want you to do is like press the button and wake up. And, and, and now you're going to have to think. And I want you to think for yourself. And I said it in the first service. I'm, gonna, I'm going to present you with the truth. Now, it's up to you to receive it. You don't have to agree with me. You don't have to. You know, I tell you, sometimes in churches, we like, you have to agree with me. Because if you don't agree with me, that means I'm wrong. 
See, I know I'm right, and I'm not going to agree with you because it's going to make us, it's going to make us both wrong. No, but but what I'm saying is, I'm going to share some things with you in, the, and I'm going to take a little bit more time than in the first service. I'm going to share some things with you out of these verses. Uh, you've most probably never seen it this way, and what it's going to mean is, you're either going to have to say, "Oh, I see," and receive it. But once you do, once you see it, you cannot unsee it. There's no way going back. I'm telling you, there's no way that you can go back. You can, you can, be, you can be rebellious and say, I'm not receiving this. Then, then, you'll, then you'll never see it. But when you see it, see, that's how revelation works. When revelation comes and you see it, then all of a sudden... You can never not see it that way. Amen? And so we're going to share some verses. These, these verses are very familiar verses. Amen? So turn with me in your Bibles here. Let's go to Matthew chapter 28. Uh, oh, sorry, Matthew 16. <laughs> Matthew 16. I was just testing you there. Matthew 16, and I'm going to read from verse, let me just see here, from verse 21. In verse 21, it says, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how uh, that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. So now here's Jesus. And it's interesting to me always about how that there's several times in Jesus' ministry where he gathered his disciples and his followers and he told them exactly what was going to happen, that he was going to go to Jerusalem, that they were going to entreat him badly, they're going to beat him, then they're going to kill him and that he would be raised the third day. And, and, and he, so they knew, he told them. But it's interesting, when it happened, they were all like, oh, can't believe this is happening. <laughs> they were all shocked, you know, but yet he told them. Now, what we have to realize, and the reason I begin there, is, is that sometimes we don't think of Jesus as being a human being. Jesus being 100% man. He was 100% God, but he was 100% man. Jesus never lived on this earth. When he walked this earth, he did not live here and walk here and, and live as God, but as man. See, that, what, that, what I'm saying is that when Jesus was born and he was laying in a manger as a little baby, he wasn't laying there thinking to himself, yeah, how long am I going to have to, to dirty my diapers? <laughs> you know, how long am I going to have to make baby sounds? Goo, goo, ga, ga, ga. You know, and, and, and just pretend. See, the Bible says he was, he was born a human being and had to grow in wisdom and knowledge just like you and I. That means that Jesus, when he had friendships and relationships, he actually truly had intimate relationships with people. Yeah. See, Jesus, Jesus didn't just pretend to have relationships with his disciples. It wasn't like he was standing outside of himself. No, he was truly 
in relationship with people, and he had close relationships with people, relationships that affected him. And so when he tells his disciples, and of course he has Peter, James, John, those were his inner circle friends. They were his closest buddies. And so when he told them, he said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and there they're going to entreat me badly. They're going to beat me. They're going to kill me. And, and Peter, listen to what it says. And it says, then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. See, you've got to understand is that Jesus had intimate relationship. Here's Peter. Like many of the others, like James and John and those close to Jesus, these were people who left their homes. They left their families. They left their business. Peter was a commercial fisherman. Uh, He left his, his business to follow Jesus. So now Jesus comes after three years of following Jesus and, you know, seeing the success of Jesus' ministry. Peter... Yes, Jesus saying, I'm going to Jerusalem, and there, there they're going to kill me, and now that's going to be it. So Peter's like, uh-uh. No, 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 no. Come here, Jesus. Took him one side and said, what are you talking about? I mean, don't you realize? I mean, I've been following you for three years. I left, I left everything behind. I left my family. I haven't seen my kids for three years. And you're just going to go to Jerusalem and you're just going to allow them to go kill you? He says, no, this is not going to be. And of course, Jesus having true relationship with them, that affected Jesus. Because the next thing it says here, he says, but he turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Now, you know, was he calling Peter Satan? No, Jesus was looking at this relationship and what is going on, and he sees what the devil's doing. Yeah. And he says, that, he says, Satan, you using this intimate relationship to try to get me off track, yeah. to try and de- divert me. So get behind me, Satan. Why? He says, uh, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. He's saying you using a, a human relationship here, and you using the in, the intimacy that we have to to try and get me off track here. And he says, so get behind me. I'm not going to get off track. Then it says, now from here on, I want you now to have your brain switched on. Amen. Now you're going to be you're going to be sorry you ate so much sugar. <laughs> Amen. Because now you need to think with me because I want you to reason some of these things. We're going to do a real Bible study and we're going to do some, 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 some Greek language study in the, the scriptures here. And I want to show you something that will help you to let go of your past, being able to move into the future. Are you with me here? Why? Because of the principle of every man rewarded. Now listen carefully. Then said Jesus to his disciples or to his followers, uh, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, of course, you and I have heard these verses being preached. Most of the time when any preacher will take this verse and preach on this verse, this is what the message is going to be. 
the message is going to be, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, then you're going to first of all understand that you're going to have to deny deny your, your, your own self-interests, your, deny your, your, what, what you deem to be important in life. You're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to deny all the good things of life. And you're going to have to fall. And then by the, and you're going to have to have a cross to bear. And, and, and usually the cross that God is going to give you to bear is going to be some heavy, hard thing that you're going to have to, that you don't really like, that you don't really want in your life. And, and there's so many people that, that they, the hardships they're going through in life, the hardships of being tied to their past, the failures of their past, they believe is, it is my cross to bear. And so you would, you know, some people will have sickness. And so they have a, a sickness in it. Well, it's the, it's the cross God has given me to bear. That's, I, I, I want to be the one here this morning to tell you that that's not what Jesus, yeah. I believe. That's not what I believe Jesus is talking Come about on. here. Because if you go into the original language, he says, if any man will come after me. Now, can we quickly go there to the amplified uh, version for verse 24? The Amplified Version says this. He says, but Jesus turned uh, 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 24. This is 23. 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to be my disciple. Now, let's, let's just again, you know, now, nowadays in today, we live and we look back, we read the Bible, and we think that Jesus was, the, was the, the first person to come up with the idea of having disciples. Because we kind of... See, discipleship was an ancient, and is an ancient practice. Jesus was not the only uh, rabbi or teacher that had disciples in that day. See, in the day that Jesus lived, it was common practice... For, this, for rabbis and teachers and prophets to have followers that were their disciples. It's an Eastern mindset. The Eastern mindset is, is, is about that when you find a teacher, uh, a sensei, you know, yeah, then, then you, you become a disciple of that. Well, in order to become a disciple, their understanding and the Eastern understanding is you have to forsake everything and you need to conform and become a, a follower of your teacher or your prophet and you forsake everything for this prophet. But now Jesus comes. And Jesus is basically saying, now you guys all understand what it means to be a disciple. He says, but <laughs> if you want to be my disciple, see now Jesus is saying, he's basically saying, you know what it takes to be, to be a disciple. But if you want to be my disciple, you have to, now it says it, you have to deny yourself. Now, if you go to the original Greek language, there it, it, it literally says this. You have to put down, lay down your self-life. Or, let me put it this way. You have to let go of your self-ability. Yeah, amen. Oh, 
come on. Now. Jesus is saying, you want to be my disciples? You need to let go of your own self-strength. In fact, one of the definitions that you'll find of that yourself there in the Greek is to let, let go of your self-strength. Okay, what's he saying? Jesus is basically saying this. If you want to be my disciple, you have to deny or let go or lay down the fact that you think you can do what it takes. The next thing, because the next thing he says, and take up his cross, and take up his cross and follow me. Amen. Amen. Now, of course, we've been, we've been, we've been taught you've got, to, you've got to take up your cross. Now, how many of you understand? I believe Jesus is saying this. He says, if you want to be my disciple, you're going to have to deny that you have it in yourself to do it for yourself. And you need to then instead take up the... Because, again, in the Greek language, you can go and look, have a look. That personal pronoun, take up his cross, that does not have to be his. It can be it, itself, or the. Take up the cross. Come on now. What's Jesus saying? Jesus says, listen, if you want to be my disciple, you're going to have to deny that you can do what it takes to be my disciple. And you have to take up the cross, the work of the cross, and follow me. Now, no, people say, people say, oh, no, no, I think you're changing the Bible. You know. Okay, well, if you, if you want to argue that point, then thank you for arguing that point. Okay, so, so if you want to argue, so, so if it means that you need to take up your cross... Do you realize that the Bible teaches that your cross is His cross? Yeah. No, no, you see, I can see some of you. Your cross is the cross of Christ. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, yeah. I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth. He says, I was crucified. My cross is your cross, and your cross is my cross, and my cross is Christ's cross. His cross is my cross. That doesn't matter. If it means you need to take up your cross, your cross is his cross. That means you need to take up the work of the cross and follow him. Come on. That's good. Now that you say to me, well, why, why do you say that? Well, the next two verses explains it. The next two verses says this. It says in verse uh, 25, For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. See, Jesus is saying, he says, if you want to be my disciple, you have to deny yourself. You have to deny your self-effort, your self-ability. You need to de- deny that you can do this. Take up the cross. Take up the work of the cross. That means take up the finished work of what Jesus da- did for you on the cross. Take it, take it up and follow me. Why? Why? For if you can save your life, you will lose it. If you think you can save your life, he says, you're going to find out you're going to lose it. Mm. Amen? But, but the next thing he says, he says, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Come on. He's saying, if you will lose yourself for my sake and take up the work of the cross, he says, you're going to find your life. You're going to find your life. You're going to find value. You're going to find a new future. You're going to find that there is a, a hope for your future. 
Are you with me here? Amen. Amen. The, very, the, the verse 25 says, For whosoever will save his own life shall lose it. Uh, whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall, shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world? Now, what does it mean? What is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world? Jesus is basically saying this. What, is, what will it profit you if you can do everything for yourself and still lose your very life? Wow. This is good. That's awesome. I mean, I, I would even put it like this. What would it help for a person to be able to live so holy that he can keep the law without ever breaking it, and at the end of it all, you still lose your life? See, a lot of people say, well, you've got you to live right, and you've got to do right, and you've you you know, you got you to just keep the laws. But here's the problem. Jesus says, even if you could do it all and gain it all, you're still going to lose your life. Amen. Because the law was never given for salvation. Come on. Yes, sir. Amen. Are you guys with me here? You know, performance, to perform right with God was never given to save you. Come on. That's good. That's awesome. You see, I, uh, yeah. how many of you looked in the mirror this morning when you, when you, when you, before you came? I can see some of you didn't, but... <laughs> no, but, but uh, see, the, 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 the law, all the law can do, the law is like a mirror. I can almost guarantee you that every one of you who looked in the mirror this morning before you came, you looked in the mirror to find what's wrong with you. That's right. Now, what's interesting about a mirror is the mirror is very good at showing you what's wrong with you. But that mirror cannot fix you. Are you with me? Yeah. Do, you, do you understand? That mirror can do nothing for you except show you. See, that's the law. That was the, the law could only show you your failure, but it couldn't fix you. And so what Jesus is saying, he's saying, he's saying if you want to be my disciple, you have to be able to deny and say, say to yourself, I cannot do this. I cannot do what is necessary for me to be a disciple of Jesus and actually come and pat myself on the back and say, I did well. He says, you're going to have to deny that. You're going to have to deny that you can do it. And then take up the work of the cross and follow me. Why? Why? For if you can save your own life, you're going to lose it. Right? Are you with me? I know I'm going over and over, but it's important. and, and, And if you will lose your own life, if you will let go of your own ability, and let go of your own wisdom, he says, you're going to find your life. Amen. He says, so even, if you could, even if you could do it all, even if there's some, and you know, there are, have you ever noticed there are some people that seem to be able to do better than others? <laughs> and so what he's saying, he says, even if you could do it all and win the whole world, you're still going to lose your own, and in the Greek there, your very life. Your very life. Then the next thing he says, he says, um, verse 27. For this, well, I, I don't want to, yeah, 
to, to, what, what are you going to give in exchange? Or what can you give? What can you exchange with God? What can you go? Can you go to God and say to God, okay, God, I give you this. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope the pastors are going to be able to handle what I'm going to say now. Because, I, again, this is interesting. Have you, have you ever listened to all of us as preachers and evangelists? <laughs> and we always preach, come give your life to Jesus. <laughs> come, gi- come give your life to Jesus. As if giving my life to Jesus is now Jesus going to give me. You, I'm, I'm going I'm to challenge you. Go find anywhere in the New Testament where it's demanded of you to give your life to Jesus. The truth is, brother and sister, you already belong to him. He's already bought you. He bought you before you ever even became a believer. You, be, you belong to him. You have been bought with a price. The price was his life on that cross. Amen. Oh, come on now. So when we come up, I give my life. I mean, you, you're not doing anything. It is he has come to give you his life. The Bible says, will you receive him? Why? He has already received you. Or else he wouldn't have died on that cross. Are you with me here? Now, that, I, I'll give you that for free. I'm not going to charge you for that. But, but I'm just trying to show you something here. Because what, that's what he's saying. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't you realize that, that, that there's nothing you can do? Now, now, from here on, you need to be double attentive. Uh, attentive. You, may, you, need to, you need to really, really now put... Because verse 27. Now, notice it says four. Right? Four. Verse 27. Hallelujah. Now, that's the King James. I want you to see the King James. We're going to go, and I'm going to show you on the Scripture. Now, notice Jesus says why. Again, let me begin again. Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you have to deny you can do it. Take up the work of the cross. Follow me. Why? Because you can't save your own life. Amen. If you save your own life, you're going to lose it. If you think that you, there's something you can give God, he says, for or because. So we, the, the, the two thoughts cannot be separated, Right? For the Son of Man, now notice that the word Son of, and Man is capitalized. You see that there? Now, now here's, here, we're reasoning. I'm reasoning with you, right? Okay, why is it capitals? Because it's referring, well, here, here's, the, here's the homiletics of this. Homiletics is just, you know, a theological term. The homiletics of this is, is that the translators that that translated from the Greek text to the English language, in order for you to understand what the Greek language is referring to, they made it capitals because it, whenever you find a personal pronoun or the name like that, that it's, in a, uh, it's, it's capitalized, it's always talking about deity. Okay. It's talking about God, the Father, Holy Spirit, or the Son. So whenever that is... Ca- because, you see, in the Greek language, in the Greek written text, there are no capitals. Yeah. Yeah. 
But the, but, but the inference of the language shows that Jesus is speaking. So who's speaking? We're we reasoning. Come on. Jesus is speaking, and, and he says, for the Son of Man, and who's he talking about? Jesus. He's talking about himself, right? Now, 99% of the time when I hear people preach on this, they use these last two verses to say Jesus is now going to teach about his second coming one day when he comes back. I want to show you that that's, that's not so. Okay? Jesus is saying to them, he says, For the Son of Man shall come. When it says shall, that throws people. Because they say, well, shall means in the future. Well, he's speaking to a prophetic people who understood the prophetic about the Son of Man. So he's basically saying to them, you know the prophetic that says, for the Son of Man shall come. He's referring to himself when he came into this world. When he, he's referring to his incarnation. He says, for the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father. Now I want you to notice something. You see the, the personal pronoun? Okay, where are we now? The, um, the new King James. No, 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 no. I want to, I want to go to, to the old King James. Because I, I want you to see the progression in, in our thinking in the church. Can we go there to the old King James? The KJV. See if we can get there. It's in a, there we are, okay. All right, so the Son of Man shall come in the glory, and notice in the old King James, the personal pronoun is not capitalized. You see that there? Yeah. All right. Now, we just saw in the new King James, that means the newer translations, they capitalized it. Why? What's the reason? Because that personal pronoun is referring to Jesus. Okay, so now here, 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 I'm gonna, I know I'm going over this, but it's important. For the Son of Man shall come. Who's the Son of Man? Jesus. So he says, the Son of Man shall come. He shall come in the glory of His. Whose Father? Jesus' Father. Jesus' Father, right? But if you go to, you don't have to turn there with me, but you go to the book of Luke. In the book of Luke, in chapter 2, it speaks about the shepherds in the field. They, they watch, they, they're looking after the flock at night. And all of a sudden, the Bible says, the glory of the Lord shone around about them. Hallelujah. And an angel came upon them. Oh no, I believe Jesus is speaking exactly because that was the moment Jesus was birthed into this earth. When Jesus was born into this earth, the glory of the Lord, Jesus came in the glory of his Father. Next, the next, the next one. In the presence of his angels. Whose angels? Jesus. See, in the old King James, the, 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 the translators, they didn't commit to it. Because you're going to see, you're going to see now when we get to the third personal pronoun, 
uh, this has always just thrown people, and this has always been taught, and, and, and it says, for the Son of Man shall come in the glory of His Father. He comes in the presence of His angels. Whose angels? His angels. And He shall reward every man according to Whose work? His. But you see, even in the newer translations, they, they refuse to make it a capital. They still want you to believe that when He comes, He will reward you according to your works. Listen, my friend, if that is, if that is what is Jesus is saying, then you and I might as well close this Bible, close the doors of this church, go to Monte Cassino and go live it up. Because if, if you are going to be rewarded according to your work, you're done. <laughs> it's, like, it's, 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 like, it's like they say, put a fork in him, he's done. <laughs> no, you see, Jesus, even in that, but see, he knows that. And even in the church today, most people have been taught, and most people will read that, and says, when he, the Son of Man, shall come, and we always think it's when he's going to come in his second coming, one day, that's why we preach. If Jesus has to come tonight, are you ready? Come on now, do you understand what I'm saying? That's why we preach that. Because we've never really understood what Jesus was saying. Yes, Jesus with his disciples, he said, you want to be my disciple? You have to deny that you can do it. Take up the work of the cross, follow me. Why? Because if you think you can save your life, you're going to lose it. And if you will lose your life for my sake, you will, you will find it. And even if you could do it all, you'll still lose your own soul. And what can you give in exchange? Why? For... The Son of Man has come. He says, this is why you can take up the work of the cross. Hallelujah. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of His Father. The, the, the Greek language, is, the tenses are kind of backwards. So he says, for the Son of Man, when He shall come, He shall come in the glory of the Father of His. In the presence of the, sorry, in the glory of the Father of His. In the presence of the angels of His. And he shall reward, reward every man. Now notice he didn't say every Christian. He says every man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He shall reward every man according to the work of his. And then the, the next verse, verse 28. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here. Now this is why I said to you, this cannot be about Jesus' second coming. Because Jesus says here, he says, There are some standing here which shall not taste of death till they shall see the Son of Man come in His kingdom. Whose kingdom? His kingdom. In the Son of Man's kingdom. Okay, so, so if Jesus is talking about His second coming, which has not happened yet, that means that there should be people that were alive with Jesus that are still alive today. You know that's not happened, right? So what is he? See, people say, well, when did he come in his kingdom? When he was raised from the yeah, dead. Yes, when his resurrection, yes, he was raised from the dead. Yes, and he went and ascended up on high and seated at the right hand of God. He has come in his kingdom. Yes, Hallelujah. Amen. See, all four of those, those statements, Jesus is talking about him and his work. Yes. Hallelujah. Now, this is what, what you want to understand. 
That tells me that you have a past based on his work. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus, you have been rewarded and you have a brand new past. The past of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Why can your future be different than, than it's been in the past? Because you have a new past that will now determine a new future. When you receive and accept what Jesus did for you, and you will accept the fact that you have been rewarded. See, here's our problem. Here's our problem. We live, you know, we live here in South Africa, and, we, and, and it's like, you know, the only people that have the audacity to take someone else's hard work or hard-earned rewards... And, and, and take their rewards and, and, and enjoy it for your life, that makes you a thief in South Africa. <laughs> you work hard for your bucky, you work hard for your car, and someone comes and steals your car, and then he has an audacity to go and enjoy it. <laughs> See, to, in, our, in our human mind, it's like, you mean I've got to just receive and, and accept, accept a, a reward from somebody else's hard work? Yes, that's the only way to do it. That's the only way. You see, you see, listen, Jesus does the work. You and I get the rewards. That way God gets the glory. Hallelujah. That way God gets the glory. See, if you work hard, there might be some reward, but God's not getting the glory. Are you with me here? You see, when we start to understand that what Jesus was saying here is the only way that you can let go of your past right now, you've got to deny yourself. Deny I can do this. Deny that I have the wisdom. Deny that I am the, have the strength. I cannot do this. I'm going to, Jesus, I'm going to trust, believe in you. That's why, that's why Paul says, I put forth all effort in letting go of the past, forgetting the past, and, lay, and laying a hold of what is ahead of me. Why? Well, you see, I mean, if you think about Paul, you think about his past. You think about, you know, he could have looked back and said, you know, look at what I've done. I've persecuted the church. But he could, I like, I like what Paul says. There's one place where Paul comes. He says, he says I have wronged no one. I think Stephen will have something to say about that. But you see, Paul let go of his past. He he, he, he let go of what happened. And now he's living and he's basing his whole new life based upon a brand new past. You, the past of Jesus. Yeah. You, who, by the way, lived in perfect obedience yeah. to God. So your future, your future progress, your future prosperity, your future healing, your future uh, uh, relationship is all based upon his perfect obedience of the past. And that's why Paul writes here, and I'm going to close with this. Paul writes here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14. But let's read verse 17. He says, "For uh, for if a man is in Christ... He becomes a new person. 
all together. I'm reading out of the J.B. Phillips translation. The past is finished and gone. Brother, sister, listen, I want you to look at me. Your past is finished and gone. Your past failures are finished and gone. Your past uh, disappointments are finished and gone. Do you realize that the very second that has just passed is gone forever? And you cannot change it. No amount of anguish, no amount of worry, no amount of regret is going to change the past. That means you and I can do nothing about our past. But you can do something about your future. You can say today is the first day of the rest of my life. Listen to what Paul says. He says, he says the past is finished and gone. Everything. Every, say everything. Do you understand? Everything means everything. Everything has become fresh and new. I want to tell you, everything about your life has become fresh and new. Amen. Today is the first day of the rest of, and the rest of your life is fresh and new. Your future does not have to look like your past. Oh, hallelujah. It's fresh and new. God was in Christ personally reconciling himself, uh, 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 the world to himself, not counting their sins against them and has commissioned us with the message of reconciliation. This is our message to the world. Our message to the world is not how wrong they are. Our message to the world is you have been reconciled. Amen. Hallelujah. You have a future and your future does not have to look like your past. Amen. You know, we can look at the end of this year and 2020 coming. And you know what? You don't have to come to the end of 2020 and find yourself exactly where you are today. You can move on from here. I'm looking over you and I'm saying, I see a brand new future for each and every one of you. Hallelujah. A future that God says, I know the thoughts and the plans that I have. Just think about it. God not only has thoughts about you, He has plans for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, he says, you are God's own handiwork. You are God's, the Greek word poema. You are God's poem. (laughs) Hallelujah. He has predestined, that word predestined, he has pre-planned for you. He has has pre-arranged your future. And it says, that the, the, the message says, so that we might uh, live the good life. The good. Anybody want to live the good life? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. That's what God has for oh, you, you for 2020. Amen. Hallelujah. That's my word for you Amen. for 2020. He has a plan. And he's prearranged it. He's made it ready for you to live. Amen. All you got to do is let go of the past. Amen. And look forward to the future. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you for this wonderful time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's all stand.
We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.